Welcome to episode 187 of Podcateers. This week we had our pal Jason join us on the podcast. Jason is a glass artist at Walt Disney World at the Ariba Brothers Shop at the Magic Kingdom. And he's also the host of the Wise Guy radio show. It was a really fun talk which included stories about what he does, how he got started, uh, interactions that he has with the guests in the park while he's working. Uh, I am definitely looking forward to having Jason on again in the future. He is a hardcore Disney nerd and he can talk hours and hours about Disney stuff and I absolutely love it. So yeah, definitely looking forward to having him on again. Make sure to head on over to podcateers.com slash 187 for some pictures and info about things that we talk about in this episode and links on how you can connect with our guest co-hosts. A huge thank you goes out to the FGP squad, our fairy godparents. Their support helps making these episodes possible. And if you would like to become a fairy godparent of our podcast, you can do so for as little as $1 per month just by going to podcateers.com slash FGP. On that page, you will find more information and a link to sign up. Plus, if you sign up for a contribution of at least $5 per month, you will get the exclusive Fairy Godparent button as a thank you for your support. The next time you need to buy something on Amazon, give us a hand by starting off by going to podcateers.com slash Amazon. On that page, you'll find our big Amazon button, and if you click it, you'll be taken to Amazon's homepage using our special referral link. Anything that you buy during that trip may earn us a small commission from your purchase. It's a great way to support the podcast with only a few extra clicks, and to everyone taking the time to do so, thank you very much for your support. Online, you'll find us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. Just search for Podcateers. We would truly appreciate you following, liking, subscribing, and telling a friend about us. This week, we uploaded a new vlog to the YouTube channel. It was a trip that I took down to California Adventure to check out and ride California Screamin' one last time before it was shut down to become the Incredicoaster. Uh, just make sure to head over to youtube.com slash check it out. Hopefully you guys like the video and you hit that thumbs up button and maybe even the subscribe button. And if you do hit that subscribe button, make sure to hit that little notifications icon so that you're alerted every time that we upload brand new videos to YouTube. Alright, so here we go. Let's get this podcast started, shall we? This is episode 187 of Podcateers. This is our podcast. We're a group of friends that loves Disney, technology, art, food, and more. This is Podcateers. So we're officially using that ballpark sound to kick everything off now, Jason. That's awesome, man. I got to find sound effects, too. Be like the Monday morning <laughs> drive to work crazy show. That's exactly <laughs> what we want to be, a morning zoo, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, uh, I guess introductions are in order. First of all, welcome to episode 187, everybody. Today's a very special episode because today we have our very first Coast to Coast episode. We are welcoming our friend Jason that works at Walt Disney World. He's a cast member, but also the host of the Wise Guy Radio Show. Jason, welcome to our show. Hey, what's going Yay. on? So glad to be here. So, so excited. <laughs> it's been way, way uh, too long in the works here. 
So thanks for having that me on. awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for being here. Also, in the co-hosting chairs, helping us out this week are Gavin and Melissa. Guys, welcome back. Hi. Hello, everybody. And thank you. Thanks for having <laughs> us again. How's everybody's week so far? Cold. Pretty good. Gavin, are you still in <laughs> like 18 degree weather? I think the highest temperature it's been here this week was 30. No, thanks. Terrible. I... Well, it's going to be 32 tomorrow you know, morning here in Florida. So. It's terrible. I, I, I need to get I to one of those coasts. You. I need to get to one of the coasts because it's not working out here in, in Oklahoma. It's not, it's not working out. Well, it's going to be 32 tomorrow you know, morning here in Florida. So, Really? Yeah. It's, we had like last week, it was in the mid 30s, upper 40s for about oh, a week. Yeah. Well, yeah, that big winter storm is over there on the East Coast, huh? Yeah, we had snow in Tallahassee. Wow. It was kind of crazy to see on the news. Wow. That oh. is crazy. Yeah. No, thanks. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like that at all. Here in California, we are very sensitive to our weather. So as soon as it gets below 75, we're freaking out. Yeah. Yeah, we're spoiled. <laughs> very. Yeah, if it's below 82 degrees, I'm cold, especially working with hot glass for the last 19 years. So. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so some of you guys that follow us on Instagram might already be familiar with some of the work that Jason has done. Uh, recently, he's been, I, I want to call it workshopping because I think you're presenting it to the folks at Disney, right, to approve it as a product to sell. But on our Instagram account, we posted this amazing looking glass figment that was created by Jason. Uh, tell us a little bit about what went into creating that. Well, I appreciate the love on that. And what's funny is when uh, I think it's amazing, Disney does not always. And uh, yeah, so that being said, uh, this is something I actually approached. Uh, I work for a third party. Uh, we're considered an operating participant. And I'm actually, uh, we're actually the very first operating participant that Walt himself brought on board uh, back in 1967. Uh, he actually met the Rebus brothers, uh, Tomas and Alfonso, at the World's Fair uh, when he was presenting the Carousel of Progress, and they were there doing some glass cutting and glass blowing. Wow. And uh, he saw the brothers and was like, hey, we want to bring you guys on board. And at the time, there was already a glass shop on it at Disneyland, uh, and there were some things going on. They uh, basically canceled the contract with the artist that was there and then brought the Rebus brothers in. And uh, this year is actually our 50th anniversary. Well, it was last year, but it goes into this year also. So we've now officially been with Disney for 50 years. So it's, uh, wow. it's a huge honor to be carrying on this tradition. I'm one of maybe 20 artists in the world now that has this opportunity to create glass characters for Disney. And uh, we're the only company, as far as I'm aware, that holds any kind of like licensing trademarks opportunities to actually create works of art for Disney World and glass. And uh, besides like Swarovski crystals and that kind, you know, that kind of stuff out there. But uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. So I, I came up with a figment idea about three years ago because I, I'm, my home base is Epcot. And Figment's the underappreciated uh, unofficial mascot of Epcot. <laughs> and uh, people still ask me, what, what are you making? You know, or who's that character? And I'm always like, oh, it's the figment of your imagination. You know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a hard ass when it comes to me and the guests. It's always fun. I consider myself to be like the Gaston of Epcot. You know, I'm always harassing everybody there or the villain in a sense. Um, I like to say no to people too. Everybody's told yes all day. And I say, no, can I take, can I take my picture? I'm like, no, sorry, I can't take your picture today. And then I laugh and then I do it for them anyways. But uh, still, so I approached uh, my company about three years ago and I actually made, made Figment on stage at Magic Kingdom. And still to this day, people that watched me make him then are still coming in asking for him. And we've been going through some changes in the company, including uh, giving us artists a chance to actually start creating a whole new line of characters for ourselves. Uh, my very first character, which will always be special to me, was Olaf. I've been making him for about three years now. 
And it's such an interesting dynamic that we get to have as a glass artist to develop a, a piece of work for what we're doing. And when Frozen came out, as we all know, Disney wasn't even expecting it for the popularity of the movie. So when it came time for me to, to make Olaf, there was nothing available toy-wise. I went everywhere looking for toys and couldn't find anything. So Disney sent me some 3D renderings, some new product development they were coming up with for me to work with. And also I had to watch the movie a thousand times, which... You know, let it go has been stuck in my oh, head enough. Fun. At this point, you just let it go, right? Uh, man, I've been trying, dude. It's, it's that earworm that never goes away. It's like my brain's a poison apple nowadays. These worms in it. But uh, yeah, so Figment, or not Figment, but Olaf was the first. And then through him, making him, I've made him over a thousand times. He's been out of stock now for almost six months just because we can't keep him in stock. It's just crazy how fast this little dude sells still. And so I wanted to make some other characters, and Figment was one of the ones I approached the company with, and they fell in love with it. And so we now have a new art director working with us who used to work for Disney as an uh, animator, and she's our new character integrity. Uh, and Disney's very big on character integrity when it comes to the colorations, right. the whole nine yards. And when we first started doing character work years and years ago, we actually had color developed for us for specifically for our character work, when now that color is available on the market for other artists to use. And... Uh, so it's, it's interesting, though, the process, because I get to learn about the development of the characters from Disney and, and what their thought process was. And when Figment was initially made, he was made and designed after a kid. So he's kind of like this little silly, chubby, fat kid, in a sense. And I was making him too skinny, and I didn't realize I was making him too skinny. So they said, fatten him up a little bit. So I had to fatten him up a little bit. And through the whole process of doing this, I mean, even like my, your post that you guys did for me, um, that one was what I thought was going to get approved. And that one was the one that was too skinny. So I fattened them up and it still wasn't good enough. So I spent the last literally three days just working on making figment. And even on Friday, which yesterday, today's Saturday here, um, I had a minor meltdown on stage. It's my third meltdown I've had in the last uh, five years. And it's to a point to where it's like, I, I, it's like I'm riding a bike and I can ride a bike, but then I feel like if someone's pushing me off the bike all the time, and I you know, just can't keep riding it. And it's, it's how it feels for me when I'm making something and I just can't figure out what it is I'm doing wrong, really. And so uh, we have an artist who works for us, Joe Brubaker, who was one of our first artists who actually had his own limited edition line of full color characters. And the guy's a, a master sculptor. He's amazing. And he made a figment for me, which is what I've been working with the last three days, which is why it was so frustrating because I had this glass perfect figment that he made on his first attempt. And I can't, you know, for the life of me, make it like his. So I'm actually going to sit with him this coming week to watch him do it. But the process is actually quite fun because it gives me a chance as an artist to constantly fine-tune and improve my skills. And even after melting glass for 19 years, it's still, I'm, it's, it's why I've been doing it for so long, because I'm always learning, you know, having my, my ADD brain that I've got, I get bored with things easily. And the glass is something that for me is always something I'm just constantly striving to fine-tune and be better at. And uh, it's been fun. So I've, I've, besides Figment, I've also got Remy, who's been actually been approved, and he's our very first Pixar character, which is awesome. And something I've been trying to do as well is most of our characters are in just like a simple pose, like the Fab Five we do, what have you. And with my characters, I want to have them interacting with something. So like my Remy has a little plate in his hand with a piece of cheese and olive yeah. on it, you know. And with Figment and his paintbrush. And I've got Sven I'm going to be doing here soon. And I'm going to have him with Olaf trying to take Olaf's nose off his face. You know, little things like that. So it's, 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 it's a, again, it's a huge opportunity. It's a childhood dream come true for myself as an artist. Ever since I was a kid, I've wanted to work for Disney as an artist. I never just never thought I'd sit down on stage, melting glass. 
And, uh, you know, so the opportunity again, is just, it's a blessing to be there. It's like, I, it's the kind of thing where I, I hear cast members complain about a lot of stuff throughout the day. And I always tell them like, you guys have to stop complaining because people spend five years to save up for it, to come here for a week to watch these parades that you get to see every day for free, more or less, or be paid actually to see these things. So shut the hell up and quit complaining because the opportunity is, <laughs> it's amazing. And it's, you know, it's, it's just so cool. So. I have fun. I teach also on the side. So for me, I like to educate the guests, tell them what we're doing, you know, the whole nine yards. And we also have a hot shop on Main Street, which is what I've been working with also, working in the hot furnaces and making ornaments and pumpkins and that kind of stuff too. So it's, uh, but that's kind of where it's at. It's just a, it's a back and forth, back and forth kind of thing with when it comes to actually getting things approved. And we don't want to send something to, D to Disney right away because we want to make sure it's the integrity of the character is on point before they send it back to us and say, do this and do that differently. That's cool, man. That That is an awesome job to have. Just having the artistic uh, ability to just kind of work on these characters that you fall in love with is a lot of Disney fans' dreams, really. So let me ask you this, because uh, knowing that Disney is such a, like the, the company itself is such a stickler for the consistency of these characters, how how do you go about regulating how much glass to put into the piece of art that you're creating? Because, I mean, it's not like a color pencil. Like, Gavin is an amazing artist. You know, he takes his pencils and he creates these works of art. Melissa is amazing with a piece of clay. But I think that's a little bit different because she's not going to burn herself and get third degree burns if something goes wrong. Uh, how do you keep that consistency? Uh, 19 years of production. Really, like most most of my glass I've always done before, even with Disney, has been production. So, I've learned through the process, and I guess to back up, uh, before I worked at uh, doing my glass, I worked at Subway for seven years as a sandwich artist. So I guess I've always I've always been an artist hey. more or less my whole life. <laughs> Fantastic. And understanding the way that we ran the business at Subway with the formula, and then we cranked out all we you know we did all of our prep in the morning, meats, cheeses, and breads, <clears> and then. At lunchtime, we'd make 100 sandwiches an hour. I mean, literally, we were one of the busiest, most productive stores in the county at the time. And so that that taught me consistency and production and how to weigh things out, you know, that have a formula with what I'm doing. And when I started my glass, I basically took the same concept into my business. Uh, Subway did. Same business model, basically. So with, for instance, like with the Olaf, when I first started making him, I literally spent two weeks just practicing his head after I actually got the first piece approved. Um, Disney went ahead and passed the first one. Olaf was kind of a strange character for me and for them as well because they had so many different people companies-wise that were making products for Frozen that there were lots of variations of, of Olaf being made. Some of them were kind of scary looking, to be honest. I don't know what they were thinking when they said yes to it. <laughs> My goal ultimately is to make him look like he came out of the movie, including capturing, capturing his personality. And as Gavin, you'd know, and as you know, with drawing, it's trying to bring a bring a personality out in your artwork is, is virtually impossible. And if you, when you nail it, you know, you nailed it. Yeah. So once you nail it, you try to capture that and then repeat it when you can. And for Olaf, it was very similar to that. So after like two weeks of just practicing his head, how do, you know, at first I was like, okay, if I'm making them out of snow, how would I make it? And then it was like, okay, this is glass. I got to think a little bit differently, but it was the same concept of if I was building him out of snow. And I also have a background in clay too. I did a lot of ceramics and stuff before I got into glass. So kind of you know put two and two together for myself and really just again took me two weeks because his body was a real simple shape um 
but his head and the and the process of making that same look on his face and even still after a thousand i could put 20 on my table after making them like say on an eight hour day i'll make maybe 15 of them in a day um at first he was like an hour to make and now i got him down to 20 minutes don't tell my boss that wow. but you know, that's what he nice. is yeah, it's kind of crazy, but you know, it's just kind of one of those things. So I, I gotta think. I think about when with my do my glass. I, I break things down geometrically, um, and when I teach glass blowing or glass art sculpture, I do the same way. I, I teach people how to break things down geometrically. So with Olaf, he's his head is kind of this triangle, kind of ice cream cone shape in a sense, and then just had to figure out how to manipulate the glass, how to make certain tools I had to use to make his eyes. Um, the biggest thing Disney was a stickler on with him was his color of his carrot. And we had to actually find the right orange. And thank God there's a company that makes the right orange. It's a sunburst is what the, the orange color is called. Um, so, but basically it's muscle memory and a ton of practice. You know, when it comes to mastering things, they say there's 10,000 hours, you know, to master something. I think with glass, right. it's 10,000 hours per technique. And I, I probably wow. am behind the torch about 60 hours a week for the last 19 years. So I've, I've calculated about 55 to 60,000 hours I have on the torch, mountain glass. So, yeah, it's like I tell people it's like riding a bike. You, just gotta, you can't be afraid to fall off. And when you fall off, you so, burn and cut yourself. So how did you get into working with glass? Uh, I met an artist at the Renaissance Festival locally. Oh, cool. It was my, my ex-wife. Uh, we were having our first child. It was our last little outing when she was nine months pregnant. And, you know, something I, I never even thought about ever as a, any kind of medium I would ever work with. And then I see this guy making this giant clear dragon and I was completely intrigued. And three hours later, after watching him and burning my eyes out of my head, he uh, asked if I was interested in doing it and offered me an apprenticeship. And I did that for a year. I did six months of shopkeep and little things like that and watched him do production. And then he finally said, okay, you're ready. Put me on the torch. And then I started doing little small dinky things, jewelry and stuff. Um, but he gave me a good foundation. And then once the tour started, they left and went across the country. I bought my own equipment and went home and got busy. And I made a list of like 20 things I thought that I could potentially sell. And just one by one, I started figuring out, well, pardon my French, found a wholesaler, did catalog work for 13 years, and then uh, started working for Disney. Wow. That is so cool. So did, wow. did Disney come to you or did you go to Disney? Yeah, I actually went to Disney and it, it was kind of funny because okay. I, I went there. Let's see. I've been with Disney because I don't actually work for Disney, but I, you know, I kind of do. I, I, I reap the benefits per se. Um, but <laughs> see, it's been five years. So about 10 years ago, I went as a guest, uh, my ex-wife and my, our daughter, who was the firstborn, and uh, we went to Magic Kingdom and I had no idea they had a glass shop there. So we, I just go by and I see like the bright flame in there. And I'm like, what is this? So I go walking in there and I see a dude on the, there's, you know, on the torch. And then I saw they had a hot shop in the back and I started talking to the artists and literally an hour after walking out of the shop, I was like, Hey, if you guys ever are hiring, let me know. And they're like, Oh, you'd hate it. It's all production. I'm like, dude, I do production and I have been for like the last 10 years. And then five years later, after staying in touch with one of our artists, I got a Facebook message. Hey, we're hiring. And I immediately made a phone call. And I made that first phone call, my basically my interview. Like, you guys have no reason not to hire me kind of thing. And, right. uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I drove back and forth with, with work I had made at the time. We, you know, besides our Disney work, we do a lot of sea life and other things, you know, little tchotchkes and what have you. And honestly, I kind of BS my way in the, into the position. I had a couple things that sculpture-wise I could make, but most of my glass experience is all actually blown glass, uh, vases mm -hmm. and 
all kind of stuff, perfume bottles, you name it. And sculpture was kind of a secondary thing for me, but I can make an octopus and a fish. So I went there with this little sea life sculpture. He said, Hey, make me a character. So I, I spent like three hours making this little Mickey mouse. And it was like one of those things where as I'm making this Mickey at home, I'm like, this potentially is gonna be the next 30 years of my life if I can nail this thing. And it was like, it was, it came out and I still have it. He's broken in like five pieces now cause he's so skinny and lanky. It was like the <laughs> 1930s Mickey kind of looking thing. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, but you know, I, my personality, my enthusiasm for my, what I do for my glass and also my love for Disney, it all just kind of came together. Like I was, like I was born to be on stage at Disney doing what I do. It's, I don't, I, I don't see myself working or doing anything else besides teaching in my podcast. It's just, it's, it's just weird how it's worked out. <laughs> That's yeah. great. That is awesome. Man. I, love I love it. That. Yeah, there's nothing better than walking on Main Street and looking down the street and seeing Cinderella's castle lit up for Christmas. Like, I, I literally get goosebumps and it brings me to tears. And I'm such a nerd. Like, my daughter and I went last week. She actually came and auditioned uh, for Tinkerbell. And it ended up being like this big, huge open audition. Like, 500 girls show up. It was a quick little thing. And we spent the day in the park. And when we left, we had missed uh, the new. Uh, uh, happily ever after we were on thunder mountain and just kind of a funny side note we always make sure we watch tank leave the castle every night for the fireworks when we go and we were heading on a thunder mountain and we're like we both realized we're like oh my god we're gonna miss tank and we kind of made our little corner in the line and as soon as we looked out thunder mountain tanks coming off the castle we both like i'm getting goosebumps talking about it and we were both nice. so excited my daughter's 18 so it's like you know her and i were so, you know, we're big disney nerds as it is and then the ride home, we put on Happily Ever After and on the soundtrack. And then I was telling her how much I miss Wishes. Because for me, I grew up with Wishes. So we put on Wishes listening on that way home. And I literally was crying on the way to dropping her off at her mom's house, listening to Wishes <laughs> like a freaking 10-year-old kid, you know. But, you know, it's just, I don't know. I can, like I said, I can ramble on all day about this love I have for it. You know, my, my biggest influences in my life is Walt Disney and Vince McMahon. Wow, nice. Vince McMahon, interesting. <laughs> wow. Vince McMahon was, uh, I think, for a long time, somebody that I looked up to until it stopped being all about the wrestling and started being about the sports entertainment. And it just got too E for me. Like, with all the TV shows they have on it, it's just, ugh, it's just too boring now. Yeah, I agree. I, for me, it's more the, the character development, which is what I still appreciate, and what these guys and gals go through to get from the indies to where they are now, you know, and I guess in an artistic expression kind of way, because to me, they're artists besides being these, you know, athletes in a sense too, but right. you know, the story is there, but yeah, so, but Walt is a huge, huge influence, just, you know, his story and, you know, I love to hear the newer stories about him that are changing the persona that people think that they thought about Walt, you know, that you know, he hated the Jews, which is complete crap, you know, like there's so many things that are out there that are negative about Walt that are completely false, just based on the history of mm -hmm. him as, a, as an employer, you know, you know, bringing right, African Americans right. on. I mean, you know, you name it. It's just, it's just crazy. So I like to talk all the positive things as much as I can. And I, you know, when I'm in the underground and the tunnels, we have all these little pictures of him everywhere and him holding his old ragdoll Mickey that he had made for himself, you know, back when he was Mortimer. <laughs> <laughs> Side note, okay, I just want to tell you, there is absolutely no character development in WWE. It's all in NXT, so I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> True. Anyway. Some wrestling shade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Touché. Yeah, well, I, look, uh, wrestling stopped being interesting after 
what people refer to as the Attitude Era kind of ended when Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, like all these like really DX. big names. Kind of, yeah, DX. Like when they all <laughs> left, uh, it just kind of stopped being interesting because it started being more about becoming part of this like social network where when most of the wrestlers are trying to protect this bad guy persona that they play on TV and they're smiling with this big old cheesy grin on Instagram – you killed it for me. You've already killed the illusion. Then that's where I think Disney is so superior because cast members, from the moment they go, um, what is the training called again that you go through? Traditions. Traditions. So from the moment cast members go through traditions, they are taught to always follow you know, these rules, these set of standards that have been laid forth by Walt and by... Um, uh, Marty Sklar, right, when all of this was originally designed. And uh, it's one of the things that uh, I find yeah. so uh, amazing about the Disney company that after all of these years, you know, every park that you go to, I think there may be some variations. I know that some people say that it's a different feeling at Walt Disney World than it is at Disneyland. It might be because it's Walt's Park versus what some people call Roy's Park. But, um, Jason, you've been to Disneyland before, right? No, actually, I have not. Oh, okay. So I wanted to know if you kind of felt that difference. Melissa, you've been to both parks, though, right? Yeah. And, Gavin, you have as well. That's correct, but it's been quite some time. So, Melissa, when was the last time that you went? Uh, 2014. So could you talk to... Could you talk a little bit about what that feeling is or if it's just something that I've heard and people were straight making it up? Um, it's kind of a weird feeling, um, in a good way, because when you're in there, um, the moment you may, you go onto main street, you're like, okay, this is familiar. You know, this looks so familiar, but because I'm so used to Disneyland, it's kind of surreal because it's like huge, which is pretty awesome because not everyone's crammed. And that's something I liked about mm -hmm. it, but because the way that I know Disneyland Inside out, I you could put me blindfolded, just drop me by helicopter, I don't know where to go. Um, I was so thrown off with how different it was. Just the atmosphere was a little bit different. But it still seemed familiar. And that's what I kind of got. But uh, I would say the next day after I flew back home, I went straight to Disneyland and I, was, I just felt home. <laughs> Got I'm it. like, oh, okay, this is home. This is what I'm familiar with. But there is some familiar feeling with um, the Magic Kingdom. It's hard to dis it's hard to explain. Yeah. I definitely want to go back that. Though. I think that it's uh, it's a, a little weird because it is so familiar and yet so different. It, you know, when we're talking about the Magic Kingdom versus Disneyland, uh, you know, it's it's very similar as far as the way the lands are laid out and like Main Street leading to the castle, that's the same idea, but it's executed so differently. And I think the difference for me is that the magic of Disneyland is an intimacy or a quaintness, and the magic of Disney World is the bigness. I mean, it's, it's amazing that there's this enormous world of Disney magic out there. Mm -hmm. And that's, what's impressive to me about Disney world. It's just, it's so big and, and expansive and it's amazing that this dreamer had this idea and he bought this land that's, you know, twice the size of Manhattan and built this 
you know, set the groundwork for this giant world of magic to be built. Um, you know, they both have their, their pros and cons and their differences. But I mean, I feel like in my experience, and it's been a long time. The last time I was there was 1989. So, uh, pre animal kingdom, obviously. Uh, and it was MGM studios back then, but, um, you know, I, I got the gist of it and, uh, you know, I, I feel like I never felt like it lacked any Disney magic. I think sometimes the people who have the affinity for Walt's park and what we have at the Disneyland park have this kind of sense of, well, it's the original and it's the only one that Walt actually touched. So that's, there's extra magic there. I don't know that that's true. I just think it's a different kind of magic. You know, they, they had moved on by the time they opened Disney world, you know, it was, you know, almost two decades later and it was just a different thing at that point. So, uh, I'm dying to get back there. I, I would love to get back there and see what's happened since, since the eighties. I feel so old that that's when I was there, but Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, what I thought was kind of funny is as big of a Disney nerd as I am, I had no idea that there was a park called Disney Sea. Yeah, I know. What? I, I know. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I got to go, dudes, and do yeah. that. I mean, it's just, it sounds incredible. I mean, just the pictures alone that I, my daughter's like, "You have you seen this? I'm like, what are you talking about? And then she starts to her and I go back and forth through Instagram and it's just... <laughs> And then also, I, I got to go to France because I have to now see the dragon under the castle. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Totally. I've ridden every single ride in every international park on YouTube, on, on ride-throughs. I, I can't get enough of it. <laughs> Dude, I just got off the Iron Man yeah, experience about it's two so hours good. ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like I was saying, you can't forget Shanghai, man, because the biggest disney castle representing all of the princesses it's it it's not something that you can mm -hmm. miss right it's got to be on your disney bucket list yeah so kind yeah. of a side note on the castle there so let's see two it's been two years now the park almost two years it's been open yeah so this time last year so miguel arribas is uh, a nephew of the founders of my company uh, Miguel, I would consider to be a sorcerer in terms of glass. The guy, the guy is amazing. He does a very traditional style work, uh, the stitch work, the, like the loopy mm -hmm. type, type traditional glass, and everybody's mm -hmm. seeing the ships and the whatever. Um, but he spent uh, three and a half, almost four months, hand-building the Storybook Castle for Shanghai. And they had an opening at the... They have a museum of glass, and they had a special opening uh, anniversary thingy, and we donated a castle to it, um, I think he's, I want to say it had like 50,000 individual stitches loops wise. Um, we actually had a, wow, a wow. blueprint of the castle that he used to create the piece in glass. Um, and then he went over there and, and, and they installed it at the museum. It's not in Shanghai Park. It's actually in the glass museum there. Um, but it's phenomenal. I'll send you a link so you, you can put it on the show notes so you guys can see it. It's just yeah, absolutely incredible. Cool. Yeah, How I mean, it's, it's, it? um, I would say it's probably three feet by three wow. feet. Wow, that's incredible. Wow. Oh, my God. How long did it take him? Uh, almost four months. Ooh. And it, and, it, and it's individual parts, so, like, the components of it all come apart. Like, we have one in our window, which I love seeing it on TV whenever they do, like, the any of the holiday shows and stuff. You can see it, like, glowing in the background. Uh, <laughs> that one sells for $32,000. Yeah, I think we've sold two. But then we also have our Rebus uh, Sarasti Castle that we have 
uh, that's uh, 37,500. And I only know that because I hear it every single day. And if we had a shot for every time I heard it, I'd be drunk before noon. Because <laughs> people come in, they're like, oh, 37,500, I can buy two cars. And we've sold 25 of those so far. Whoa! Yeah. Really? We had a guy oh come in and bought one for his daughter's playroom. Uh, Russell Crowe's bought two of them from us. Yeah, we've, it's uh, interesting. And we also now have a new Darth Vader um, that stands about three and a half feet tall, completely encrusted in Swarovski crystals. He is fabulous. Wow. wow. Dude, oh, and he's, yeah. I, think he's, I think he's either twenty eight dollars or $32,000, and we've sold one or two of him Ooh. also. Some guy came in and bought him and our castle. So, yeah, it's, wow. it's, it's pretty interesting to see the numbers that we move through sometimes in terms of the guests that come in and it's the guests that come in that you would least expect that come in to spend the money you know what you would That's make a, a killing on right now a porg oh my god no yes <laughs> no. if you made a porg people would just eat them like pancakes yeah and unfortunately we don't have the rights to, to any star wars so oh man so uh, you said you said that you guys don't technically work for Disney. You're just a vendor that's in the park. That's kind of cool because when Disneyland first started, all of Main Street was a lot of these little artisan shops, and they kind of mm -hmm. sponsored the park. And that's really where um, there was a, a foundation, you know. And I remember a couple of years ago here in Anaheim, when Starbucks came back in, a totally different story, right? Because this is a major corporation, but. It, there was this huge fuss about an outside company coming and invading Main Street. And all I could remember thinking was, you guys keep forgetting that Main Street was built with all these yep. outside yep. businesses. And that is how it got funded. Uh, at Magic Kingdom, how many other artisan shops are there aside from you guys? Uh, we have Starbucks right next to us. And I'm so <laughs> glad it's not McDonald's because I'd be 400 pounds <laughs> smelling French fries all day. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's the, it's the next door crack house. <clears throat> and what's interesting on a side note with the Starbucks, um, Disney actually owns the ones in the parks and the ones that are outside the parks, they do not. So I get a cast discount at the Starbucks at Disney Springs, but I don't get that the one on Main Street or at Epcot. Uh, but I can buy merchandise oh, in the Starbucks and I get a discount, but I don't get it on coffee. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, weird, right? Huh. And uh, speaking of Disney Springs, if you guys get a chance to come, uh, they're considering Disney Springs now to be the fifth gate in terms of the parks. It's, it's incredible what they've done to, that, to Disney, to downtown Disney, to turn it into Disney Springs. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it looks amazing. I, I keep I've hoping they'll kind of reinvent downtown Disney uh, in California because I feel like it's getting a little stale at this point. Um, I, I'd love to yeah. see some new theming and, and I've looked at all the Disney park blogs, articles on Disney Springs and man, it looks amazing. I was reading an article today about, uh, there's a restaurant there and brand new one called Edison's mm -hmm. and it's a themed, oh my gosh, it looks amazing. Yeah, I've got reservations for Valentine's day. Sweet. It looks so cool. Very cool. And, and I know this was completely off topic from what you asked me, dude, but next, next to the, it's the Edison. And then next to them is, uh, Maria and Enzo's Italian restaurant. And the same company that owns that owns the Italian pavilion in Epcot. And they're so specific with, in particular with their food and their pizza, especially that they actually import the water in from Italy to make their pizzas. 
incredible. Oh my there's, gosh. If, you, yeah, if you guys get to Epcot, there's a they ha, at, in the Italy Pavilion. Um, it's called Tutto Gusto. It's a little wine cellar that's in the back. It's like a, the hidden gem of Epcot. There's like a Tutto Italia, which is like the Italian restaurant that you can go to, and then there's Tutto Gusto, which is like this wine cellar. I mean, you literally walk into the room and it's like brick ceilings. And it's just it's fantastic. Um, but I, we went there for dinner at Maria Nenzo's the other day, and I had their eggplant parmesan. Which whenever I go to whenever I go to Italian restaurants, that's my go-to to test out the sauce and the quality of the food there. It literally gave me goosebumps on the first bite that I had. Nice. It is fantastic. So you know, so you know they make these cool little freezer dry packs that you can mail cross country. Uh, <laughs> if if I send you one, can you send me some of this eggplant parm? I'll go tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but what's also pretty cool is they have a speakeasy. So the theme of the of the two, um, uh, Maria and uh, Enzo's is that it's a, a airplane. It was a, it was as a, a not a hangar, but a what's that called when you're at the airport terminal? Yeah, brain yeah. fart. It's been a long day. So yeah, so you're like in this terminal, and then they have like all the gates around you. Um, there's this around 360 degree mural that goes around the top of it, and then there's this giant globe hanging in the center, and it's actually on point to the directions of like a compass. And they have the the globe is like a cage, and it has the map of the world on there as well. And what's fun is the little thing they put on there with uh, with the country for America is they have a little gold button on Orlando. They've got a gold button um, in California, and then there's a gold button on Walt's hometown as well, and it kind of uh, connects coast to coast uh, of the place. But their little nice, special nice. secret is underneath the building is a speakeasy that has a secret door you have to find to get into. And uh, they, it's, it's a very like 1800s themed kind of style place that's literally under the under the restaurant. It's pretty pretty cool stuff. That's awesome. What they don't tell you guys, I've heard about this speakeasy, and everything I say after this point, by the way, is an absolute lie, but I've heard of this speakeasy, and what they don't tell you is that you have to order a specific bottle from the menu at the restaurant that shrinks you down to almost keyhole size to find that said door. Does it remind you of something? I think it does. So yes, back back where we were talking about the artisan places on Main Street. (laughs) So, you know, what's interesting is we don't really have any other ones. Um, we had the bakery, which is uh, next to what used to be our building that we're in. Uh, it's now at the very corner of the ice cream parlor. We had the confectionery, which is on our side. And then across the street is all the shops, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I know what it's called. I'm having a brain fart for what they call it over there. I don't know. I know what it is. Again, I've been on stage all day <laughs> talking with thousands of people. Um, but... Yeah, so but they're the, they're the typical Disney stores. There's the uh, art of animation shops in there. You know, they have, there's a, a high end clothing, jewelry, purse place. There's a Pandora shop in there as well, and then we have our shop. Um, and it's always fun too to understand the history of what the places used to be. Like our place used to be a place where you can go buy cigarettes and cigars and uh, hair wax and shoe polish. Yeah. You know, so it's it's and I I only learn these things from other cast members. We have our uh, we have the Disney. Uh, security and then we have the real Disney security and the real guys will cut, like once a week or whatever they'll walk through our shop just to say hey and I get to pick their brains we have one guy that's been with with Magic Kingdom since they opened and we have a couple different cast members that have been there since day one that I get to pick their brains and talk about the history wow. of the parks and what they've seen yeah it's yeah. pretty cool that, that's amazing yeah those are 
those are some of the best people to talk to. And it's funny because when I think Walt, well, it wasn't Walt really that decided. It was more Disney marketing, right? But when the decision was made to move away from these artisan shops, because Disneyland used to have a tobacco shop as well. It was right next to the magic shop. And it had a lingerie just a little shop bit of history. Too. Yeah, the Wizard of Bras, yes. which is in Duarte, California. <laughs> For some of you that travel on the 210 freeway, uh, in Duarte, you'll actually see it right before Mountain Street. The only reason I know this is because an exit after is where I work. So <laughs> it's very nice. close to where I work. And they do have a little bit of history with the park. But I, I don't know how many relics are left at Walt Disney World from some of these shops. But one of the relics at Disneyland is the wooden Indian that we see yeah, just standing neat. outside of the music store right mm -hmm. between the Main Street Cinema and the Magic Shop. Some people see it and they just take these pictures and think, oh, cool, this Indian, it's so random. But it is one of those yesterland, so to speak, items that was left over from this tobacco shop. And I just, I love seeing those things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ours mm -hmm. is still there. Yeah, it's actually right outside of our door. I go out there and hug them all the time. Right on, man. <laughs> right whenever, on, I, whenever I would watch the electric light parade, <laughs> I would go out there and stand next to the Indian and watch the parade. And I always went out there because I love Tinkerbell. And every time she would start the parade off out there, I'd go out there and wave at her. And then I'd go back inside and clean up and go home. But I always had to see Tink before I left for the night. That's awesome. And I would stand by the, awesome. by the Indian. But something cool, too, is they just, they're redoing some of the frontages of the stores. And I'm, it's going to come to me. I know here in a second what that is called across the Emporium. Thank you so much. Lord have mercy. <laughs> so the Emporium now takes up the entire other side of the street. And then it goes into Casey's Corner, which is where you get your hot dogs. They had the piano player outside the whole nine yards. Yep. Um, yep. But they just recently did redid one section, and they brought the magic shop back. Ooh, cool. Now, they don't, they're not Ooh, selling cool. the stuff inside, but the, they brought in the old frontage. And if you look in the window, there's all the stuff that they used to sell in those stores are in the window display now. And that's, cool. and that's some of my favorite things on Main Street is just going and looking at the window displays and getting a chance to see what's going on. Um, one of our secrets we have in our, we have like a side alley, which is the only alley on Main Street. And um, if you look up at one of the windows, it's cracked open and it's a uh, dance recital and piano practice and opera singing lessons. And you can hear some of the worst opera singing in your life being <laughs> sung up there, as well as the tap dancing and the guy telling the girl how to instruct going through her piano you know, lessons and stuff. It's, it's fantastic. That's amazing. We have those windows at Disneyland as well, yeah. and it's one of my favorite things. So there's a, there's a dentist window right before you yes. enter the lockers on Main yes. Street, and my kids always look up and have this like look of fear because <laughs> they're like, Dad, I don't want to go to the dentist. I was with them, brush your teeth. You won't go through that. <laughs> yeah. so it's so cool because that little alley, they have like this little cute decorative railing. And when I was there, I looked, and I'm like, oh. That looks like New Orleans Square. Yeah. So it has the same design, which is so cool to see there. That's, That's the also Magic where Kingdom. Bob's window is. Yeah. Whose window? It's right across Bob Gurr's window. Oh, at Disney in World? The, no, at Disneyland. Oh. In, in the land. His is up there, oh. too, as well. Oh, I was going to say, I'm like, wait a minute. Did I miss something? Oh, he does? Yeah, they're actually. Sweet. he has yeah. a window up there, too, now. Now, but they do, yes, don't yes. they do some yes, different yes. things for the windows out there? They're not all Disney legends, right? They're, or, or park contributors. Don't they have some other things there too? Yeah, there's some random, I mean, I know there's like contributors or cast members that have been with Disney for 40 plus years or, you know, those kind of things mm -hmm. that they commemorate with them. You can do like the uh, magic tour that they give you. And which right. actually reminds me, I don't know if you guys collect Tsum Tsums at all. 
but I don't myself, and but my daughter does. And they now have uh, the Main Street Players Tsum Tsums, and I oh, have wow. completely fallen in love with them. So they have the Dapper Dans, which is nice. uh, Pluto, Mickey, Goofy, and Donald, and they're all in the Dapper That's Dan awesome. costumes. Super freaking cute, the little hats, bow ties, the, the, everything. Uh, they have confectionery uh, mini, and she's got the confectionery yellow costume on with the little uh, uh-huh. candied apple Mickey on so, sewn into the side of her apron. And then you have the guest services Daisy, and she's actually in the costume that the tour guides wear when they're doing the tours. Oh, cool! They, like they look like they're like about to lead a horse off, basically like that costume. Right. That, you know. Nice. That is awesome. You know, it's so weird because uh, when I think about some of the artisan shops that are at Disneyland, it looks like we lost a lot of them on Main Street itself. California Adventure has a couple because we have the confectionery there, and they do make candy um, at the candy shop on Main Street, but it's it's very Disney. It's not like an outside company or anything. I feel like those external companies have now moved over to New Orleans Square, and they're on just uh, around the bend from where Pirates of the Caribbean is here at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Does, um, does New Orleans Square... Or it is there a New Orleans Square at Walt Disney World? I don't no, remember. No, it's Liberty now. Square. Yeah, it's it's like an Americana, mm-hmm. like colonial times, uh, right, 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 early right, America right. thing. So, are there any shops in in like at Liberty Square or any of the other lands? Uh, mm-hmm. not not that I can think of. I know that the, in Liberty Square we have the Christmas shop. It's like the Yuletide mm-hmm. Christmas store. Uh, we mm-hmm. also have Hillary Trump now. It just got released. Uh, yeah, seen that. Yeah, yeah, it looks yeah. great. Yeah, <laughs> that that grimace. <laughs> that grimace, man, it's something of nightmares. Yeah, not to get into <laughs> politics here. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, we don't. Uh, we have the uh, the new Haunted Mansion shop that opened up. Oh, Memento yeah. Mori? Yeah, we are all envious of yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. We... Uh, so and thank you, by the way. Yeah. All we have is like a little cart that sits out in front of the Haunted Mansion. That's all we got. Lame. Which is nothing like Memento Mori. <laughs> so it is a very sad cart. Yeah. And it, it really needs to be spruced up. Disney, we know you're listening. Please spruce up the Haunted Mansion cart that's outside of the Haunted Mansion. For the love of Haunted Mansion fans, give it some love. Yes. Come on, <laughs> Come Bobby. On, Bobby, do you need me to shoot you a text message? <laughs> <laughs> he's listening. He always does. That's why he's staying on for I know years. Does. I know. That's right. what I'm saying. I, I know this is fact. Hashtag truth. <laughs> exactly but uh yeah so you can get your portrait done that uh, you eventually die like the the ghost host so cool the yeah main room yeah. Comes in. yeah it's pretty wild and it's only 20 bucks um a couple fun facts i've recently learned about liberty square is they've kept it to that time period uh we have an old oak tree that i think it's like a 250 year old oak tree or something like that um and it has wow. uh, 13 Ooh. lanterns hanging from it each lantern is a different lantern to represent each the first 13 colonies mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at the ground when you're walking, uh, the ground has a uh, what I'm gonna call a tannish browny red color, maybe a burnt sienna. Um, there's like your main outer edges of along the buildings. It's like the normal grayish blue sidewalk, and then coming from each sidewalk of each building, uh, it meets into the center pathway, and it's this brownish red color, and it's supposed to represent the gray water uh, that they had back in the times when they would dump out their bath water or toilet water out of the windows. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, I, and it's you know as many times as I've been there, I never paid attention to it, and it's actually not even a a perfectly 
nice clean edge. It's all wavy looking like yeah. the way they did it. It's pretty. Yeah. It's a pretty cool detail that they've done. Wow. That's awesome. Um, and there's wow. also no bathrooms there at all. There's no public restrooms in that area whatsoever. You have to go over to uh, Frontierland to use the bathroom. Wow. That's wow, cool, man. See, that's an inconvenient detail. <laughs> <laughs> but see, now we have a tree story for Liberty Square and a tree story from Disneyland. Do you know there the you tree go. story from Disneyland, Jason? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not. Maybe I do, but refresh my memory here. So uh, one of the trees that used to be in the Orange Grove before they built the park uh, belonged to the Dominguez family. So what they did was they took one of those trees and they planted it in Adventureland. So as you're approaching uh, Indiana Jones, you can actually see the Dominguez tree from uh, the origins of the of the orange trees that were there before the park got built. And a fact that I found out recently was what the second oldest tree that is on the resort is actually out by the Starbucks in downtown Disney. It used to live in the back uh, backstage area, uh, currently about where they're building Galaxy's Edge. Mm, so Galaxy's when they Edge. uprooted that tree, they took it to downtown Disney and they planted it there. So the two oldest trees on the resort are in Adventureland and in downtown Disney. To be fair, those are only the oldest living trees because the oldest tree at the park is right outside the rivers of America. Oh, touche. Touche. Yes. Which is a petrified tree. Why? Was it scared from something? Was it the Haunted Mansion that made it scared? It's in full view of the Haunted Mansion. It's petrified. (laughs) Hashtag dad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> so we went on the Haunted Mansion last weekend as to end our end our evening, and it was the probably the second or third to last ride before the the park was closing, and everybody in the elevator knew the entire monologue, of and course, we all said it, and we all laughed, and then I I always scream every single time when it's or <laughs> go out my way, and I always scream like a little girl every single time, and I, all the kids cry. I love it, <laughs> and then throughout the entire ride, it was just everybody was having a blast, and it's just there's nothing better than going on a ride with a bunch of disney nerds that are just having a good old freaking time yeah i love it dude yeah you would true. love coming to disneyland so much like i just i feel dude like you I need to get your ass on an airplane and fly to florida look i'm gonna here, take here. a train Mr. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted me to take a train man that's fair, fair point i fair think point. i think we established because of carol wood <laughs> i think he wants me to take a train i mean granted it would take long if I took a regular train, but if I cheated a little bit and took the Hogwarts Express, I might get there a little sooner. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, I think you would love coming to Disneyland, man. I am counting the days to when you come here because I think that that magic that you feel on Main Street at Walt Disney World at Magic Kingdom, uh, I don't know, man. I just – I feel just – that when you step into Disney, you're going to start bawling like a baby. You're just going to hit the ground. And it's just one of those feelings. Like when you were talking about when you go and you during Christmas time, how you just start crying during the fireworks show. I feel the same thing when I'm watching Believe in Holiday Magic because I remember a long time ago when I first started dating my wife, uh, I remember being there during Christmas time while we were still dating. And just watching the fireworks and listening to the whole thing, and my eyes just—I just started bawling, man. I like I had the tears in my eyes, and she looked up, Aww. and I know she made fun of me. She's like, "Are you crying?" I was like, "No, there's onion around here somewhere. I don't know what's going on." Uh, but it is such a magical experience that there 
there are many times that I walk into Disneyland and I instantly feel those goosebumps you were talking about before. Or there are certain things that I watch that just like I'll experience with my children for the first time and seeing the park through their eyes really brings that magic to me. But I think the only other time where I've just been instantly filled with joy where like your body just gets tingly and warm because there's this outburst of happiness was when I heard those first few notes of the Paint the Night Parade. And that is just (laughs) one of those things that to this day, like I listen to that music and it I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I get the I'm thinking about it right now and I'm getting goosebumps. I love that music. It just fills me with joy. I'm counting down the days till it comes back. Do you, can you guys tell I'm excited about it? A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> no. I'm jealous. That, I, was, I was hoping we were going to get our own version of that parade because now right. we have no nighttime parade. Right. Um, but we do have Festival of Fantasy, which is... The Maleficent Dragon is yes. something to see in person. It yeah, is that looks pretty cool. That it's beautiful. Incredible. It is. But yeah, Disneyland definitely, especially when Walt's been there and his touch and, you know. Just seeing his apartment, um, when you get to see that for the first time, it's mm-hmm. so surreal. I want to know when you're here the first time. I'm, I get a kick out of people who visit for the first time and to see the reaction I almost cried. No, actually, I did cry when um, I recently just met someone. They were like, oh, just waiting for fireworks. And I'm looking at her and I'm just like tears because it's it's such a rush. And being a Disney nerd, it's like, oh, my God, just experiencing that just again, the feelings and whatnot. It'd be fun. Yeah, I love seeing the guests with their first time buttons. You know, the first time visit button's on. I get oh, super yeah. excited every single time I see it. It's like, oh my gosh, your first time. I've always wanted amazing. to find people with first time buttons and just spontaneously break into song and dance just to give them that like Disney vibe. Now, I mean, they're already getting it, right? Because they're there. But there are plenty of times where we're walking down Main Street or wherever we are in the park and we'll spontaneously start. I love, I love to skip down Main Street. It's. You mean you? It's not awkward at all for people. So anyway, you were saying. Just skipping down Main Street. But yeah, actually, my daughter and I were trying to plan a trip this summertime to come out to Disneyland. So we will definitely be in touch and let you guys know, especially because my main gates get me into all the parks. So, you know. Sweet. We will be here for you, sir. Yes. That is awesome. We will awesome. gather together, Team Boat Willie, for a warm welcome. Oh, dude, if you're out here for yeah. one of the events, you should join us as part of Team Boat Willie. Really? Yeah, maybe I can time it to get to do that, because I would love to to be a part of that whole situation. I'm going to find out. I know they just recently sent out the emails for the Chalk Walk and some of our fairy godparents. By the way, can I just mention that we have two fairy godparents on this podcast? <laughs> I forgot to mention that at the beginning. Jason is also one of our fairy godparents. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, one of our other fairy godparents mentioned that uh, she works with the Ronald McDonald Children's House, and uh, they normally have an event around April or May, I believe. So uh, we're looking into what other events to do. You know, it's so weird when you do, like, charity events because uh, where I work – I, you know, quick, quick, like sidebar, but when I, I've always worked for a for-profit company up until I got my job at City of Hope, I didn't know what it was like working for a nonprofit. And 
in the time that I've been there, I originally started working there because I just needed a job, right? I, I had a mortgage to pay. I had bills to pay. I had kids to feed. And over the course of the time that I've been there, I've really grown to appreciate and love what I do on a daily basis because when I see families and I interact with these children and uh, like spouses of people that we've been able to save through our fundraising efforts, like it just it feels like I have purpose in life, right? And Team Boat Willie did the same thing for me. Like I felt that by starting Team Boat Willie and raising money for these different organizations, uh, I felt would be a really good way to continue having not just me feel fulfilled, but also other people that want to do something to help people and organizations. So uh, I know that was a weird sidebar, but uh, yes, if we have an event we would love for you to join us as part of our group and even if you can't in spirit man oh yeah i gotta be there it's whatever excuse i need to come out <laughs> awesome <laughs> i will tell you that i i believe that once you do the coast to coast flight to the alternate park I've heard people say that it becomes a lot easier to just get up and go because you become addicted to it. Mm, someone needs to take his own advice here. Yes. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, if it makes you feel any better, we've already started planning that. So we, my wife and I have already talked about between a two to three year span. We've already started saving up money. We know that our kids will be at an age where they will appreciate going because that's the other thing. We originally did plan on going before we got pregnant with our first son. And we kind of felt like, okay, well, maybe the timing's not right. We planned a possible second trip and then we got pregnant again with our second son. So now we thought, okay, once they get to the point where they will appreciate and they will remember what's going on, we'll do it again. So now we've officially started planning. Hopefully within the next two to three years, we'll be finally be able to go to Walt Disney World for the very first time. Well, let me know, man, because I have this thing called uh, friends and family discounts. <laughs> Woo! I can give, save you guys. Like I had some friends came in for their fifth year anniversary, and they literally saved like $1,400 to stay at the Grand Floridian for a week. Wow! Noise. That That's would be amazing. amazing. Yes, we will be in touch once we get to that point. So I know. So I tell everybody, take, know, take advantage of me. Take advantage. <laughs> I, you know, people tell me that all the time, and I always feel guilty. <laughs> so yeah, we will. I will definitely hear you because even if I don't take advantage of you. Uh, I do at least want us to get together a couple of days to just hang in the park, have some dinner, and just, you know, chat in person. Yeah, because I can show you the coolest hidden Mickey ever. Ooh. Are we going to fly? I actually found another Ooh. one. I, I, don't, I don't know. So, on your all's Pirates, um, you know, you go start the ride off. Um, you go through. We have, like, a misty curtain. They'll usually do, like, a projection of, like, you know, somebody, one of the, one of the guys. And then... <laughs> And then you go around, and they have like the the dead pirate scene within the the dead mermaid, yeah. you know, on the thing. Well, when you're coming up to that that corner, mm -hmm. I noticed uh, I don't know why I just noticed it, but the rock formation actually makes a skull. Um, but you have to be looking at it at the right angle to see that all the rocks actually will line up to make a skull head. But mm -hmm. when you're at the side of it, you can't tell it's a skull. But from a certain angle, you can see mm -hmm. that it's a skull. Now that being said, to the hidden Mickey, um, when you get off the exit for the queue at the Little Mermaid ride. They have six, I think it's six rocks that are set up, and if you line them up perfectly, it is Steamboat Willie. It's actually Mickey at the helm. What? 
That's amazing. What? That's so cool. Oh. Yeah, it's incredible. Oh, what? Yeah, like the front rock is like the lower hip and one pant leg. The rest of his shorts and his right leg. I'm trying to think of the ways. Maybe his back leg. But then his head is flat on the third rock. And then his hat is actually carved wow. in the rocks behind it. And then the steering wheel is carved into the inside of the rocks, and then something behind it. Oh There's, it's just to get them lined up perfectly to get it to work. But it's incredible. Can you please send me a picture of that? Before thought they had to make this. Oh man, I'm yeah, like that's, freaking that's out. That's one thing yeah, that yeah, Disney yeah. World has over Disneyland is it. It has all the hidden Mickey's, man. Like there's books on it, you know. Yeah. Like there, there's a lot of hidden Mickey's at, at the Disneyland Resort, but not even close to what they have at Disney World. That's so cool, though. And and yeah, the the idea is to do things like that and to continue that tradition. And you know, it's just some. Yeah. It doesn't make them any money. It just it's something extra neat for people to find and discover. And once they do, to geek out over. And I just think that's awesome. That attention to detail. And that's why so we cool. love Imagineers because they come up with ideas like this and they continue the traditions with every yep. new class of Imagineers that comes in. Yeah, yep, and I, yep. I sneak them into my own work as well. Um, I have this little manatee scene that I do, and the base is three round circles um, to make it sturdy. It's basically, it's like a mom and a baby manatee. It's a pretty big piece. And when I was initially making it, I took the three circles, and I, they were all stuck together. And one of the girls at work was like, are you making Mickey's head? And I was like, no, but I am now. And so it's basically like the center of the sculpture is like the bigger you know, Mickey's head, and then his two ears are the other parts of it. And so yeah. when I'm making it, people are like, oh, he's making Mickey. And I'm like, yeah, but I can't sell it to you. And then I make the actual sculpture. And so they see that I'm actually hiding it. And then it's my part of my selling point as well on it. But then I do like, uh, um, uh, you know, people will come in asking for specific things. Um, I have a lot of amazing magical moments with guests. Um, one I'll mm -hmm. never forget, we had a, a guest mm -hmm. came in that um, one of her best friends, little baby passed away. And their her best oh, friend was a was a huge Disney oh, fan, and the baby's favorite toy was a rubber ducky. So she asked me if I could make a rubber ducky with with a Mickey hat on it, and I was like, no, I can't do that, but I can make a rubber ducky for you. So I made the rubber ducky, and then on the bottom of the rubber ducky, I did the Mickey icon for her, and um, I showed her the duck, and then I flipped it over, and she started bawling. I'm like, you gotta stop crying, and then I just like I was full of tears, and we were like hugging and having this big cry fest in the middle of our store, and uh, yeah, and that's you know again going back to why I love what I do there so much it's because of those kind of moments. Um, like when I was first making my Olaf, um, I was initially when I first started, I was at Disney Springs, or at the time Downtown Disney, and they have a lot of they showcase like the arts there a lot, and. Um, it was the time of year where they had the choirs would come in and they were singing at the time frozen was out so they were singing a lot of frozen songs and i'm making my olaf and i th and i think and i'm and i'm hearing do you want to build a snowman well i'm thinking it's outside but it was actually these two little girls that were sit, sit, standing next to my bench and i'm in the middle of the shop there and they're singing do you want to build a snowman while i'm while i'm making it and i realized it was them and i looked i looked over at them and they immediately stopped and i'm like no no keep going so i started singing it with them mm -hmm. and as mm -hmm. i'm making my olaf you know and the three of us are singing do you want to build a snowman we i probably had like 20 people watching me making it and you know i mean i literally I, i'm getting goosebumps now talking about it it was just it was such a fun experience i hopefully these girls will always remember that they were probably like maybe seven years old um, That's amazing. You know, and, and those little things are just, again, it's just why I love what I do. Not to mention that yeah. I can walk the park. I'm, I mean, I can't say I can because I'm probably not supposed to, but I uh, get my exercise by walking the Magic Kingdom in like 20 minutes. That's so That's cool. awesome. As long as you change your costume. 
you're good. Yeah, you're good. Exactly. <laughs> that's what I used to do. <laughs> that's the nice thing. My costume is basically like black pants and a white dress shirt. And that I just changed awesome. my shirt. There you oh, go. man. You know what? I don't believe that an hour has just flown by already. I've just been having so much wow. fun talking to you guys. What? It's hard to believe. <laughs> no, man. I just, I love these stories. And it's so fun talking to people that like just are immersed with the Disney magic, especially people that work in the park, because there's so many stories to tell from cast members. And I find it fascinating because nobody's experience, even with the same guest is ever the same. You know, somebody that dealt with the same guest at Plaza Inn is not going to have the same interaction with them on Pirates of the Caribbean or on the Haunted Mansion or on Big Thunder or Space. So it's just, it's amazing to hear all these stories and the magic that people like you create on a daily basis for people. Um, I I would love to have you back on the podcast, man. I had so much fun talking to you. Uh, I I just want you to be on as frequently as possible. Yeah, I'll be on every week if you want. <laughs> there you go. Sweet. There that you go. would be awesome. Uh, all right. Well, before we close up shop for this week, uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, your podcast, and the classes that you teach? Yeah, sure. So uh, my podcast is called The Wise Guy Radio Show. It's W-Y-Z-G-U-Y Radio Show. And uh, basically the show covers... Uh, I bring artists on. We share their stories and interviews and stuff. Um, and they're glass artists that make everything from functional glass art up to fine art, you name it, um, that, and experience. And, and my whole goal at the show is just to show those that are up and coming that are becoming glass artists that the, it's a struggle at first. And, and you know, it's never easy. And um, just to inspire and educate as well. Um, the website is wiseguymedia.com. Um, on the front page, I have a, a little list of all the updated recent shows. Uh, my class is on there. If you go to the Wise Guy Institute uh, tab on there, uh, you can kind of see some insights of what's going on. That right now, that class is actually in beta test. Uh, it's actually starting tomorrow. And uh, this 2017 was a heartbreaking year for me. I went through a divorce and uh, moved and everything else. So mm -hmm. my students put it, you know, were awesome mm -hmm. about putting everything on hold. Um, so we're getting that going now. I'm, I'm hoping to actually launch the actual classes in March. And it's an online course. I'm, te I'm treating it just like a university. We'd go online uh, with lecture and lab, full demonstrations, the whole nine yards. I'm also doing mastermind groups and coaching and mentorship programs, like all kind of cool stuff. Because I'm really, uh, the, my background besides glass, my, most of my family are teachers. So I'm a teacher at heart and also an entrepreneur. So I'm, I'm really teaching artists how to be entrepreneurs. The whole mantra of my show is teaching today's glass artist to be an artistic entrepreneur um, because it's it's such a simple business to run uh, not a lot of overhead etc and uh, the show comes out usually on Fridays um, my goal my word for 2018 is consistency and uh, that right includes on, everything on. in life so I usually post my shows on Friday but I don't actually promote them until Monday so you can uh, subscribe to it on iTunes. It's on everything from iTunes, iHeartRadio, you name it. Same with you guys. You know, it's all over the place. Or you can just download it and listen to it on at wiseguymedia.com. Very cool, man. Well, Ooh. we'll make sure that we include the links to all of that in the blog post for the episode, which will be over at podcasters.com slash 187. Uh, before we close up, Melissa, tell everybody where they can find you. Um, you guys can find me on uh, Instagram. Um, my personal is Cartoon Disney Doll. Um, my Etsy is 
the Odd Mile Shop. And I'm also on um, Twitter. I'm actually trying to be a little bit more active. Um, I am Cartoon Disney Doll. No, excuse me. Cartoon Doll. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get, I was like, wait a minute. Um, and yes, and you can also find my shop on Etsy. It is the Odd Mile Shop. Gavin. All right. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Gavin Audison Art on the web, GavinAudisonArt.com. And don't forget to check out the other podcasts that I co-host, the Animation Station podcast on all your favorite podcatchers. All right. So considering that we have two fairy godparents on the podcast, I think it's appropriate to say that we are going to welcome two brand new fairy godparents onto the FGP squad today. Ooh. Amazing! Yay. You know, I really wish that I had. We were playing with a kazoo earlier, and my kids didn't know how to use it. And I just started playing with it. I really wish I had not left it in the car, because I could just be like with the kazoo, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I want to welcome to the FGP squad, Adriana. <laughs> I'm gonna fake it for now. And I also want to welcome our new fairy godparent, Megan. <laughs> Sweet. I really need to bring that kazoo inside of the house now. <laughs> uh, so thank you both for becoming fairy godparents of our podcast. If you would like to become part of the FGP squad, you can do so for as little as $1 a month just by heading over to podcasters.com slash FGP. There you will find all of the information and a list of all of our uh, current fairy godparents along with the... Uh, projects that they are associated with so if you go there you click on the names like jason's will have a link to the wise guy radio show some of our other fairy godparents uh recently started a podcast called the walt vault podcast so shout out to emily and to michelle and luis and andre uh, also, quick shout out to our fairy godparents, Anitza and Juan, who just recently welcomed their brand new baby to the world. Uh, as uh, we are speaking, I was getting alerts that uh, they are welcoming a brand new bundle of joy into our family. Amazing. So, congratulations Congrats, to them. Congrats, Anitza. Um, so yeah, if you guys want to become a fairy godparent, just head on over to podcasters.com slash FGP for all of the information. Plus, if you guys sign up for a $5 contribution, you will also get the exclusive fairy godparent button. I think it looks awesome, not just because I designed it, but because I really do think it looks awesome. It, I mean, agreed. you guys have gotten it. It, it looks is awesome. Right? Huh? Yeah. Right. Uh, so if you guys are trying to find us on any of the social media networks, make sure to just search for Podcasters. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, if you find us on YouTube, make sure to hit that little alerts button so that you guys know whenever we upload a brand new video. Uh, Jason, just like you, one of the words I am living by in 2018 is consistency. And so... A lot of my life is scrambling right now, trying to find consistent recording hours so that I'm not up until 3 a.m. Uh, also, uh, I'm trying to get the vlog, uh, you know, off on the right foot, trying to put more content up. So I totally get what you're saying, man. That consistency word is going to be key in 2018. Yeah, man. Uh, one thing a week uh, is all you got to do. That's what I've been trying to do. Just implement one new thing a week. Yeah, that, that might be Good. something that I try as well. Just one new thing a week. 
if you guys shop on Amazon, a great way to help out the podcast is by starting that journey at podcasters.com slash Amazon. Amazon. There you will find a big <laughs> Amazon <Yes>. button. <laughs> I can't help it. Thank you for filling in. Uh, there you will find the big Amazon button that will take you over using our special referral link. And anything that you purchase may give us a small commission on that purchase. To all of you that are taking the time to you know go through that process and do a couple extra clicks, a couple extra seconds, we really appreciate the added support. All right, guys. Um, yeah, this hour went by way too fast. Jason, you're going to have to come back soon, man. Yeah, we have lots more to talk about. Was a lot of All right. Uh, any last words before we close up for today? I'm just going to say thanks for uh, having me on. It's been an, an honor, and I could talk Disney for 25 days straight and uh, even more. <laughs> And we love that. That's why we want to have you on again. Yeah. <laughs> More of that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. We have lots of things going on yeah. here in our side of the world. So, yeah, including uh, and it's, Stitch's and it's, Great Escape uh, closing and then reopening and closing and reopening and going seasonal again. So there you go. Yeah. What the heck? <laughs> yeah. I know. It's so funny. I sent everybody a list of possible topics for the episode, <laughs> and it, it was just so fun listening to all this stuff about Glass and how Jason got started. I was like. Forget about those topics. I just want to hear more about this. <laughs> it was fascinating. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode as well. Remember to go to the blog post, podcasters.com slash 187 for links to all of Jason's projects, links to Melissa and Gavin's projects as well. So until next week, here's to beers, cheers, and Mickey ears. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Adios. Bye. See ya. Buy a pals. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's good. That, yeah, I swore that was recording. <laughs> uh, no, I used to practice with my children.